I hired seven coaches in a week because we were signing up like 10, 12 clients a day. And I was like, fuck, like, the fuck do I do? Like, I was like begging our coaches, like, can you take some more clients? Can you take some more clients? Which was obviously a great problem to have, but. I'm get, I've just been levered for about three days now, like going just, yeah, I'm not paying tax. I'm not paying tax. I'm not paying tax. Don't speak to me about what I'm paying. And I say that all the time, like, because I, I ain't got 50 odd staff, but we've had to get to like 17 staff now. And, and I'm, I had a basically, I was really, really busy for around three months and my communication with kind of my team wasn't kind of on point. And Here's the best thing that anyone could do if they're not doing the business right now is doing um, a 90-day performance view with every single member of staff. You have VAs, absolutely everyone like that. It will have more. So you've done all this in the last four years? Yeah. That's fucking mental. That's what I heard when I first trained with him. I was blown away. Yeah, that's shocked. I honestly thought that you've been like smashing it for about 20 years. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. It's probably aged me that much, but... Um, the reality of the thing is thing I think with that is that people don't understand how much you can do in a very efficient time period when you actually like a very strategic what you do because the biggest mistake I see people make is they try and do the wrong things the wrong order or they get like red shiny object syndrome so they spend like six months going down the wrong tangent of trying to I don't know do like YouTube ads or something way overly complicated that's yeah. way too far down the road they shouldn't be doing rather than focusing on like the low hanging fruit that's going to get them quick success right now and the way I like look at everything in life is like what's going to like not just move the needle with what you're trying to achieve, but what's going to like really fucking break the needle. So like from a, a business point of view, what's going to get you not like one to two clients a week, what's going to get you like one to two clients a day. And that's where you need to change your thought process in terms of what you're doing and think bigger rather than like marginal gains, which is where most people look. So when you first kind of start out, so four years ago, real estate, you're coming in, how did the coaching start and how did it scale like that fast? Because you talk at some ridiculous level numbers in in four years for anyone um so how it went so quickly the an interesting two people who very heavily influenced my career who i used to hammer listening to their podcast were uh to the ogs grant cardone so big into sales and then uh gary vaynerchuk in terms of content so i very much thought about the process of like grant cardone talks about omnipresence like how can you be everywhere at all times we've got like five cameras in here michael's doing a story behind this one on the podcast like this is a prime example of it we're probably position like a million reels so, like, how can you be in front of people all the time and be everywhere and constantly present is one thing I thought. Second thing is, um, the more people who know you, like, if people don't know you, they can't give you their money. So everyone has to try and know you so then you can try and sell them your services. And the third thing is, like, how can you be world-class in your craft and acquire the skills that are going to get clients' results? So then when you've got shitloads of client results, you put that out to the audience you have, you're then going to get loads of, like, incoming leads. You don't even have to do anything. So for me, it's been very much... Um, a journey of self-development in terms of how can I acquire all these individual skills, but the right skill I need at each individual level to get to the next level. And that's then what's allowed me to progress very quickly. So like I'm very much a product of uh, like modeling. Like I'll go to someone who has done what I want to do, learn that skill set from them and then move to the next person. So a bit of like a, a parasite taking that, like everything yeah, no. out of that person and then go to the next one. So even if you look at like a fitness aspect, now my goal was try and win a pro card on the Classic Physique. So I've gone to Darren Farrell, who's just had another client turn pro today. He's a Classic Physique pro himself going to Olympia. That would be another example in terms of how like I'm developing myself very quickly. I'll go to specific individuals to learn a specific skill set, learn that, and then go to the next person to find whatever the next thing is I feel I need to learn, which is holding me back. No, that's definitely, because if you're only looking at your pool of people, they're not going to kind of come in anything fresh. So... In terms of your personal brands, you obviously about kind of Gary V. Like, how, when was it your kind of Instagram took off? Because obviously, when, when in real estate, did you have like a high performance page before or anything like that? Or is it, or there's that even that Instagram page is that pretty much new? Uh, the Instagram page I had since like 2013. I had some like really shit 
photos about it from back then, like just personal stuff. And I just built that up, sort of documenting what I was doing when I first got in shape and just showing people what I was doing. And then the penny dropped when I realized, okay, people obviously are interested in this. People want help with this. I think a similar thing happened to Ben. I was like, okay, there's clearly a business here for this. And the first thing I actually did was like, I just like coached five people for free who I knew had sick genetics, got insane results, got a pile of inquiries and like clients come in. I, like, I know this is what we, this is what we spoke about. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what I said to and, and it's not fucking rocket science for anyone listening to this. It's like, you get sick results, people are going to ask for the same thing. That's how you create a business. So it comes down to like, you walk in the walk and walk, like doing what you're fucking supposed to do. You being in great shape, setting the standard do the same thing with other people, showcase that, and people are going to come to you and ask for help. It's that simple, really. Yeah, I literally turned around to Ben and I was just like, right, get your brother, get lads, and get four others. And I said, make sure that they stick to it. And you turn around, and obviously, when he dropped all them kind of results out straight away, it just kind of blew up. But I'm a massive believer in that. Like, even, for example, when I, I with some of the clients that I've got, like, even if they're doing 50, 60, 70 grand a month, first thing I'll say is, like, are you actually a decent coach there? because you're not going to scale to 100k if you're not a decent coach anyone can come in and make money and get a good turnover but in, in order to create a model which is going to scale and not stop scaling like the product needs to be absolutely kind of flawless so um when you're kind of coming in so obviously with the with the coaching side now like what what was the re- rationale for kind of getting into into the, the set what's it called the seven figure? Uh, a seven figure scaling system so interestingly like this is something i had mold over for a while and I've sort of been kicking the can down the road being like oh i like I don't want to be a quote-unquote sellout, that guy who's then trying to start selling business coaching. And, like, we actually spoke about this before we put the podcast on. It's like, why am I competing and stuff like that? And, like, the word that comes to my head is, like, undeniable. I want to tick every box in terms of, like, no one could fucking dispute me in terms of, yeah. like, fitness, business, business coaching, IFBB pro. Like, like, you can't really say much in that respect. So I put off the business coaching for a while until one of my clients, a really good friend of mine, actually lives out here in Dubai as well. Antoine was literally, like, I'll pay you whatever you want. Just coach me. And I was like, fine. So I sent a payment link. He sent me quite a lot of money. And I was like, this is obviously quite a good demand for this. <laughs> and then um, I, I started coaching him. Uh, he made, went from like 20K to 30K in like four weeks. And I was like really enjoying it. And I was like, I should probably do more of this. I'm, this is obviously what I felt like I'm, I should do. Even my girlfriend was listening to me on business coaching calls. I was like, you're insanely passionate about this. And like business is what fires my fucking brain. And like fitness is my thing. I love like training, bodybuilding, whatever. But business makes me think because after a while there's only so much you can talk about calorie deficits and get clients yeah. to stick to it whereas like this there's so many different layers to it and it's infinitely scalable so it's like the massive game of chess so for me it's like how can you move these chess pieces uh, or put like the pieces in the jigsaw together to complete the masterpiece and the masterpiece is never really going to be complete which is the fun part so for me that's the big thing in terms of like constantly learning constantly developing whereas I feel like fitness coaching has a sort of threshold to it as well and I think even from a fitness business due to friction scale once you like we were at like thousand high ticket clients once you start to get to that point it gets very complicated in terms of the amount of coaches you have to have the structure of the business all that sort of stuff so it actually makes sense logistically to start to diversify more out from that point yeah that's a good point i think in terms of coaches who are really excelling ben said these coaches at like 60 70 thousand what would be your advice to them who have got a team of coaches now like they're the CEO, they've got three or four coaches. Where do you then take those three or four coaches to 10 coaches? And do you think you continue to scale past 10 coaches or is there a certain threshold? Uh, there is no threshold. The only threshold you have is the one that's in your mind in some respects. But I think like you, you can grow it as big as you want. The most important thing, and we sort of had this conversation, I think 
the biggest mistake without getting specifics that people make is they set their business up with the wrong infrastructure for the beginning. So from a pure economic standpoint, and I would say it's respect, people overpay coaches. So for example, you need to have an 80% profit margin in coaching, in my opinion, to have a very scalable business. So for example, if you had a 40% profit margin, I have an 80% profit margin, I can way outspend you on ads and everything. So I can grow way faster than you can, just even break even. So that's one big thing you need to think about. And I think that's where a lot of people don't set themselves up correctly because they don't have the right advice or guidance because they don't know. They have, like not many people have been to that level where you suddenly see, like if you start going from like, like you've got three coaches, not much an issue. You suddenly get 13 coaches and you're overpaying everyone. It's like, fuck me, that's a big chunk of money going out every month that has a lot of zeros on it. And you're like, that stacks up over a year. So I think having the right structure set up as you grow your business is a big thing and even like talking about that from my, my own perspective so across three businesses i've got 52 employees i hired a business coach two weeks ago I paid him 30k um for six months to help me because i'm like i've never done this before i have three businesses i've got you know, in the, this many employees i was like i don't really know what i'm doing so it's like obviously know what i'm doing but like i'm like we're all doing this like we've never done this before we're like we're just sort of winging it as we're going along so it's like if i go to someone who's helped people who've got like billion dollar companies get their shit organized, he's probably gonna help me get my shit organized and probably save me a lot of pain and issues down the end. So in the first week, he's basically changed my life and my business. So I can't thank him enough for that. Um, and that's another prime example in terms of like a modeling aspect of going to someone like if you know you've got a specific problem, they've dealt with this before with other people, get them to fix it and go from there. But I know it's a bit of a long answer to what you said, but I think making sure you have the right operational infrastructure, as unsexy as that is from the beginning in terms of like, meeting cadences, how you pay people, uh, commission structures, incentivizations, making sure retention's correct, because otherwise what happens is you're scaling chaos, and then, you, like, I found a lot of this on the way that things fall apart as things start to get bigger. Yeah, they don't like... I literally had this, this this conversation, like, yes, it's like people are coming in and going, right, I'm going to jump into paid ads and stuff like that, and if you've not got, like, a solidified pipeline and, and a strong customer journey and you've got the right automations in place, all you're going to be doing is generating a shitload of leads to be popping out for all them holes. And that's what I kind of said to said to Ben, like, once we've kind of built this 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 next phase kind of growth for him and you do turn ads on, you can fucking do some crazy, crazy stuff with it. But it's a case of people just wanting to constantly focus on, right, I need to get more leads, more leads, more leads. And, and they kind of come in and go, right, I'm going to go into the ad side. I said, but the ads can also be one of the things that could be the most detrimental thing for your kind of business. Because with Ben, for example, um, he he probably was delayed kind of getting enough kind of coaches on. And it got to the point where he was hemorrhaging that many leads. Like it was it was quite frightening in all fairness. Like you're talking 1,500 level inquiries kind of coming through. And I was like, mate, we, we need about four or five coaches here. But that's because I didn't have the right infrastructure at the yeah. start. Because I didn't have the right mentor in place. And then that's where Ben came in. And like you said, you've got to have the infrastructure, the team to support the demand. The, uh, <laughs> I laugh because it reminds me, I, th I think I said this to you, I think it was July 2020, I remember I hired seven coaches in a week because we were signing up like 10, 12 clients a day. I was like, fuck, like, what the fuck do I do? Like, I was like begging our coaches, like, can you take some more clients? Can you take some more clients? Which was obviously a great problem to have, but um, then I'd made a lot of mistakes in terms of who to hire, what to hire, and like, that's where it's quite easy from like, feel like the older one's perspective now having been done all this stupid shit in the past of like don't do x like do y because even now you talk about scaling problems like we've got some ads at the moment that are fucking insane and we're getting like good leads for like a pound but we we want we're scaling the ads so much that people can't respond to the messages so it's like we now need to hire yeah. more people to deal with the inbound messages so it's like 
it, it's that ever growing problem of like it, the way I explain a business, you've got three wheels of wheels of this in terms of lead generation, uh, sales and fulfillment. And at each scaling point, one part's going to break. So for example, yeah. lead gen, we're cranking it. We've got sick leads coming in. We can't actually handle the amount of messages. Then you, you convert the messages. You then got so many calls coming in. You can't handle the calls. So I've got a call center then can take that for other fitness coaches can take it for us. Um, that solves that. Then you've got like fulfillment issue you're talking about in terms of like sick sales are crushing it and signing everyone up. Now we've got enough coaches to deal with it. And it's that ever-growing aspect of that. And even you might have some people listening to this right now who you've got a bigger coaching team, but you're very slow on sign-ups because of recession or whatever. Then you might find that you've now got an issue with your coaching team because you haven't got enough coach, uh, clients for them. So it's trying to fix different parts of the wheel each time. Where would you where would you take up? Um, so for the guys who kind of work to you, what's the max clients that you give to a single coach? Uh, so from ex- <laughs> from experience, I I think it was three years ago myself, I had 220 coaching clients and I was doing pretty much everything myself. That was not good. And I was trying to get everyone to check in on one day. It was like a bad time. Like they'd check yeah. in, they'd come in fast and I could respond. I don't know how people do that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren, Darren were doing that and I was like, mate, please stop doing all your check-ins on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a stressful experience. So. Um, personally, I think for a coach of the full time, a hundred is a pretty easy amount. To not, like, if this is all you do is do check ins, you can do a hundred easy. If I did, if all I did was check ins, I could do two, three hundred clients a week, no issue. That's my full time job, being honest. But um, I think for our coaches, I'd say about hundred is a good good amount. Would you not say that it's a risk taking them up to that amount? Like, obviously, you're trying to emi- mitigate any kind of. So I was speaking to Ben about it earlier, like you've got to make sure that your team's looked after, you've got to make sure there's a good culture because I've, I've seen, I've had companies come to me and gone, yeah, one of my coaches does pretty much taken 60 clients off me in one pop because they didn't have the right kind of structure and infrastructure in place to kind of keep a, keep them accountable kind of to the business. There was no like kind of contracts in place. They had, they had one one single fallout and he's gone, right, yeah, he's just fucked off and taken all these clients with him. So how have you kind of approached like avoiding that? Uh the easy way to look at this in business, who has money, who has, has the control. So we take all the payments. Yeah, and we generally, awesome. and we get all the payments up front generally. So it's like client, say Ben's, uh, I don't know, Ben's a fitness client, he comes to me, pays for a year, year up front. We give him to our coach, Johnny, for example. Um, we have all the money for the year. So that client, what's he going to do? Pay Johnny again to go and work with him. It's nothing. We have complete control of that situation. What would you do for that? People who come in and paying on monthlies? Uh, then we still would be pulling their payments monthly anyway. So the co- that yeah. client would then have to re-sign up and repay with the other. Yeah. So it'd be messy for like that client would really have to fucking hate you and the brand to really jump ship, if that makes sense. And that comes down to that. Whoever runs that business doing a really bad job, probably to be honest with you. Yeah. Like I've had, so like I've taken on, um, taken on a really kind of big company recently and I pretty much had to restructure the whole referral side because it's like the coaches were basically invoicing the company at the end of the month saying, oh, I've got this many clients. And I'm like, that's not a company. They're going to be talking shit about how many clients that you're giving to them. You've got no structure in any way, shape or form. So pretty much had to rebuild it kind of from, from scratch and change kind of referral model. But what would you say that the harshest, the harshest lessons is that you've experienced from the coaching side from a business standpoint? Uh, from a coaching side, from a business standpoint, um, presume nothing and make sure you double check what the coaches are doing. So a really good tip for everyone here would be I would set um, coaches tests. So like send them like a example, like a, even do a spot check. So for example, randomly send them like an application form for a new client coming through and ask them to send a Loom video of how they've set that client up. So like you're actually checking what the fuck they're doing. Um, and then like what gets like tracked gets managed. So I'd say in terms of like having set retention numbers they should have every month, 
uh, an expectation in terms of how many referrals they should have, how many transformations they should get generally per clients, uh, the amount of clients they have. Uh, we've got set ratios for everything. So like we can tell if someone's underperforming, if that makes sense. And also depending on what coaching software you have, we have access to all of our trainers accounts. So we can just log in and look at through any messages or anything like that we want. Yeah, that's class. We pretty much did that for all Bembray lads when they joined, didn't they? That's a proper vetted them to a point where they had to basically present a case study to kind of Ben and, I, and he said like oh, it's a bit extensive this is a five point I said yeah but like the moment that you bring the wrong person into your business it can go sour very 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 kind of quickly and that's gone very very well like obviously the team have bonded really well the, cl- the client results and stuff coming out on that side aren't they? would you stay, say as you scale and I'm at a point now where I've got three coaches soon to be four would you say co- keep repeating that process and keep it vigorous to a point where I build relationships so to bring my brand to example and a little bit of advice I've got all my coaches in Dubai from, for a week here as you scale would you do more trips like that and keep more coaches invested or would you keep the, the, the coaching circle smaller and focus on just those coaches I would try and max out the coaches you have and then bring more people in because I think as soon as yeah as soon as you you need to keep the guys as busy as possible in some respects to keep them like fully committed to it because I think if you it's that whole like, idle mind thing if they're yeah. not busy is when they start thinking like, oh, maybe I should go and do my own thing or do X, Y, Z. So I think it's important to almost like throw so much at them and keep them super busy. I think it has a big thing and they'll feel more rewarded for that rather than like if they see you bring in new faces all the time, they're going to start to feel a bit threatened because like they'll know that, say for example, in our business from the coaching aspect, we've got um, Jeremy's head of coaching and Danny's head of like performance coach that like if you start bringing more and more people in, they'll know that it'll start to become more of a hierarchy and then there'll be more competition for that place. That then, particularly between guys, can create more of a competitive atmosphere and you can have issues with that, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's like I've, 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 I've seen so many teams kind of coming out and it's like, I think it's just kind of, they think, right, if we've got five coaches, the company looks bigger. So, but how many coaches you've got doesn't mean how much money you're getting in per month. And when, you, when people kind of come into coaching, like, I think they really forget that. It's like, oh, I need to have a big team. I need to have a big brand. And it's like, no, it's a business. It needs to scale at the point when the business is kind of ready. Like it's a case of not going right, oh, he's a really good coach who's going to, who's going to join the company. If the company's not in the right position to do it, then you shouldn't be hiring anyone. Like, and it's going to upset. I've, I've seen it where, like, for example, like, I've seen coaches leave other places because they've just hired someone for the sake of it. And it's like, what, so he's going to be taking all my referrals now and I've been here for two years. And it's a case of like just kind of making sure that you're planning ahead at all times, especially like where where Ben is now. Is just a case of going right. Are all the lads happy speaking to all the lads and stuff as well? Because if you're not not taking the that one thing I found is if you're not taking people's feelings and opinions and stuff into the decisions with the business and stuff as well, then they could be going a totally different direction. You've got to make sure everybody's everybody's an arrowhead kind of moving forward with it. Here's the best thing that anyone could do if they're not doing the business right now is doing a. Um a 90-day performance view with every single member of staff you have, VAs, absolutely everyone like that. It will have more impact, influence on your business than anything else. And if you think you get 5% more out of every person you have, that'll have a huge impact. And I also think the whole thing of saying, oh, I've sort of said earlier, having X amount of people working for you, I actually want as little people as possible working for me. Because after a while, you find like, this is a fucking pain in the ass because yeah. you've got like a million people trying to come to you for questions. Whereas now, yeah. like, I'm trying to like offload and like minimize the amount of people contacting me directly because you'll find, like they talk about the Navy SEALs, right? Like they only have, they have six people, I think, in the sales, SEAL team or whatever. So, because once you have more than six people being led by one person, it's a complete shit show. So as soon as you start to scale beyond a team of six, you should really have one person like running each individual department. Yeah. And that's how you have to start to break a business out where most people don't really start to think about that. And they have like 
the one person is the founder and they've got 15 people they're trying to manage themselves and that's yeah. why it's like anarchy. That's yeah. a really good I'm, um, Amazon do that, don't they? They branch off into small, like I read, read a book on it, like a pizza meeting that they can take a box of pizza, everyone has one slice and the meeting's over. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't, have ever, shouldn't ever be giving someone more than like one full slice. But um, good one, like for example, what you mentioned there in terms of like the VA side. So VA's like, it's obviously... It, <laughs> It gets a bad rap in terms of kind of the DM stuff and everything else on that side. And I think it's just because some people have just gone about it in the total kind of wrong way over the years. And Ben's like only just kind of got to the point where he's even he's even using one now in terms of kind of outreach. He's just been, it's just been inbound for him at kind of at all times. But what's your, what's your kind of experience on kind of the VA side? Uh, good and bad. So we start on the bad side of things. I have my Instagram account to say in January because we hired someone, again, as a business business owner, you have to take accountability if absolutely everything goes wrong. Anything goes wrong is my own fault and my own responsibility. So we hired an editor from Egypt who logged in on my Instagram account without a VPN on, which is what we think triggered a security alert that disabled my Instagram account for like three weeks. Very fortunate uh, client, Greg, who's listened to this. He works for Facebook with my account back. So thank you, Greg. Um, you saved my life. Uh, I think I remember, I remember, um, I remember Mark Coles putting on his story. Yeah, yeah and, I was, and, I was, and I was thinking, fuck, no, that's, that's, that's rough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to go deeper on it, I on the Wednesday I got divorced. On Thursday I cleared my house out. On the Friday I was sitting in Kingston Hotel five minutes before speaking on a massive podcast for someone. My account got disabled, and I was like, "This is fucking fun." I was like, <laughs> so you, you talk about like low low points of business that people don't see. I was like, "This Ang- is this is podcasting world." <laughs> yeah, you, you know, like I, I I can't even imagine how bad that was. But um, so I apologise. I can't remember what the podcast was now, but uh, it wasn't good. Um, but that is just an example of things going wrong in business. And I think that's an example in terms of me taking accountability from that. And I think what's important is that people listening to this, when really bad things happen, is you have to look at this from two sides of the coin. It's like, yes, this is shit, but then this is also an opportunity. So how I dealt with that, for example, is I actually, like, I'm a big numbers guy. So I was like, okay, this is how much money we were generating per month from my main Instagram account. Here's all the other revenue we have coming in from other, other every other lead source we have. I was like, I'm still going to make X amount of profit my life's not going to end, it's fine. So I was like, okay, cool. So this is not that stressful. Well, it wasn't that bad. Um, and then I was like, okay, what can I now do to then create more leads? And then I came up with some other sick ad stuff we were doing on other accounts that, there's, that we're now like generating decent revenue from, which I wouldn't have had if it wasn't for that. Because when you're forced to actually have to think outside of the box and do something different because your back's up against the wall, you pull something yeah. out your ass and you make it happen. So I think that's an important thing. So that's one thing I would say in terms of VAs is, back to the stories, um, making sure that you make things very clear. Like Michael, who's sitting here as well, as an example, would, like I was getting arsy with someone in, not arsy, but someone in Costa Coffee the other day because they didn't understand English isn't their first language. It's like you have to understand that they don't understand quite as well as we do if it's not your first yeah. language. It's like make things very, very clear um, is one thing I'd say. But VAs are an amazing, but I think it's just, it comes down to, hiring the right person from the right source. So like within Seven Finger Scaling Systems, we have a recruitment company we use um, specifically for us and for clients that helps a lot because um, that does a lot of the hard graft is firstly finding like A players and not um, some of the other people on the internet. And then trying to find a polite term. And then, um, and then secondly, making sure you've got a clear like standing operating procedure in terms of like, this is exactly like what you need to do. Like pretend this person like literally doesn't know anything. Like they just follow this step by step like a monkey could do it, then that's what needs to be in a standing operating procedure. Um, and if you have that, and then you just monitor that person like on a daily basis and have like clear meetings and yeah. have responsibilities like that, you shouldn't have any issues. 
Yeah. It's a great way to scale your business because it's cheap labor. Yeah, definitely. I think while we're on the topic of social media, one thing I learned from training with you was what social media platforms you actually use. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of coaches who listen to this who probably only have one social media platform. And whatever that is, that's their only useful advertising marketing platform that they utilize. Um, what would be your advice to, to coaches listening to this in terms of social media platforms and what you use and what they should use? Um, the biggest mistake, and this is what I said to you before, is that people have all their eggs in one basket. So if you think about it, again, talking back to my Instagram issue, I was aware of this maybe 18 months, two years ago. I was like, yeah, I make you bank and I'm doing really well. But I was like, what if my account got disabled? Like, that's not going to be fun. Like, yeah. there goes everything in one clean sweep because Mark Zuckerberg doesn't like me or whatever. So um, that was something that always came to my mind. And that's why I tried to diversify very heavily into other platforms. So I think, come back to what I was saying earlier in terms of omnipresence and being every platform is an important thing. I think right now, Instagram is in the toilet and it's going down. That's not helping me um, because that's like our was our main uh, revenue source. And I know a lot of people listening to this and have the same issue. So a lot of people coming to us uh, with the mastermind we help with, one of the big ones we, we crush it with is LinkedIn. So that, um, one of the reasons why if you look at it from a demographic point of view, the average user on LinkedIn is $200,000 per year. So generally you're not getting a price objection. It's a completely different platform, different language, but that has this very specific skill set you need to be able to get that platform to work. Because people say to me, oh, it doesn't work. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work. You don't know how to get it to work. So that would be a big one. Uh, TikTok's great for sorry, it's like viral reach, but young demographic. We get calls booked from it, but it doesn't convert particularly well. Um, YouTube is great if you're Mike Thurston or someone who's very different. Are you going to make a lot of money from it and get a lot of coaching queries? Not necessarily, unless you're God's gift, in my opinion, you've got something very unique. So I think for most people, uh, I remember I was at Mark Coles' seminar, you mentioned earlier, and, and Mike spoke, and I, I was watching, I was like, every person in this room is now going to want to do YouTube. And I was like, this is the worst thing that yeah. every person in this room should do, because <laughs> it's like, like, I know you, you do YouTube, Ben, and like, I do more for like fun, I just to document my life a bit, but it's it's incredibly time-consuming, doesn't make a huge amount of money um, from ad revenue and... Like even Mike said, I think that he made 500k uh, in five years in ad revenue. I was blown away when he said that. Like I, was, I, I, I thought it'd be triple, quadruple that. We, we've nearly done that in a month of coaching. So it's yeah. like, I, I, I was like, I thought we'd have a zero on that. I was like, that's yeah. a lot of time investment into that. Yeah, that's, and money. that's absolutely mental. I um, invest like 5k a month into YouTube, and the return on investment is tiny. I've only I've, I've monetized that now, but. I think I took £149 away from it this month. Yeah, my, mine's like, I know, mine's about the same. It's like point. It's, yeah. it's not point. The way I look at it is like, it's, uh, and this is the game, right? And this is where a lot of people, and this is why I like doing like long form content like this. People don't think with the right perspective. I think long term. So like this podcast is going to sit on the internet until I'm dead and we're all dead. This was, someone will still be listening to this, which is quite morbid. But <laughs> what's, um, what's sickening if you've got to think about this? Like everything is brand building, right? And it's like creating a brand about who you are and documenting the journey of that. And like that is going to compound for you over a period of time. That compounding effect is what's going to build your personal brand, build your business. And all these things are going to stack together. Whereas people who try and don't want to do certain things or aren't willing to put themselves out there, like they're not going to get where they need to be. They're not going to get the success you're having been because you're putting the time and effort into reinvesting those things. I think what is important though is that people understand what is actually going to work on YouTube. And um, for example, like, day in the life vlogs and things like that I don't think are I think that's gone out the window a lot even Mike said that and I think 
the big future for YouTube is YouTube Shorts, which we're doing really well with now, and then also just more educational stuff. So I think when it comes to content generally, like a phrase I really like and I teach people is um, education with utility. So you're teaching someone something they can actually practically use. So if you're talking about that from a training aspect, I, I don't know, I'm showing someone to use a calf machine and try this special technique, and they're like, fuck me, my calf's feel insane. They automatically believe whatever you say because they've tried what you told them. And the same from the business aspect. Someone from this might have said something like taking something I don't know, said about how paying coaches and like that's really basic but genius. And they don't think about it. But when they listen to you apply that and then they're like, shit, this actually works, they then believe in you more and eventually will probably buy something from you at some point. Yeah. So it'll be a good one to kind of dive into. So obviously you you said about having a bit of a rough time, just kind of with, with kind of divorce and obviously with Instagram kind of going down. Um, I were a bit similar to that kind of last year when with obviously the pandemic and I ended up closing down a, a meal prep company, uh, lost quite a lot of money on that. And I, I've always had kind of the mindset, I've not really got an attachment to, to stuff like that in terms of failure because I just think that I've always kind of learned something and, and people were really, really shocked at kind of how I jumped back into it last year, didn't they? Like, yeah. And I just went, and at the start of the year, it kind of comes to the new year and went, right, I'm launching this free tier education platform. We're going to do this fucking convention. Like, I just went, right, we're going to, we're going to go all in basically. And we'll obviously we've, we've turned it around to a kind of crazy, crazy kind of place in 10 months. So what, what would your best advice and best practice to be someone who's, who's kind of coming in, they've gone through some shit and they need to bounce back into it and just go straight on? My favorite saying, and it's probably my personality, but it's action beats anxiety. So like, say for example, you, you had that situation, it's like, okay, this is fucked. Like, what can I do now that's going to fix this problem? And that's all you've got to think. And the same, like, even, like, the Instagram thing I talked about is, like, okay, this is a situation. How can I work out where I'm at and then how I can fix this problem? So uh, the big issue that I think I see from people, and it's the same I get it when coaching people for business, is that, like, you can tell people what to do, but they don't fucking execute. Like, the game is execution. That's what people get paid for. Like, you can have the greatest fucking plan in the world, but you don't try it, it's not going to work. And, like... I try stuff all the time that completely fails, but then in business, like you can hit one home run that's equivalent of like 10,000 home runs because something works so well. And that's the beauty of it, right? Because yeah. you've only got to get one thing that works really well and can work for 10 years. And then that's the game's completed because if your goal, for example, is financial freedom and wealth, all you need to, the magic formula is to create a, a business that spins off free cash flow. You live in some of Dubai, like Dubai, you don't pay any tax, put that money into like assets like property, brings you back passive income, Rinse and repeat, game over, you're done. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. No, definitely. I need to get myself to Dubai. <laughs> we had this conversation. <laughs> I'm get, I've just been levered for about three days now, like going just, yeah, I'm not paying tax. I'm not paying tax. I'm not paying tax. Don't speak to me about what I'm paying end of this month. But it's just a case of like, when when, when was the moment when you, when you kind of, when you realise like, shit, I'm, I'm like really making it now? Because like, I pretty much had this in the last month and I said to Michael, I was just like, I can't even fucking believe what we've done this this month. I, I, it's, it's hard to even like comprehend kind of the position the business is in. Like, But for, for me, it's like I was saying a really long conversation. I said, I don't really, I personally don't feel success. I, I, I will kind of, I've said it to Ben before, like I'll come and I'll do something and I'll achieve it. And I'll be like, all right, Sam, what's next? I didn't really kind of get to that point and ben, me and Ben were very, very similar with that because... At the amount of times I turned around and said, do you understand how good you're doing? It's like, nah, it's all right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I said that to you. Yeah. Now and what's next? Like, yeah, and it's and it's it's something that I want. It's something that I want to personally work on because I, like as I was saying earlier, like I don't want to be getting to the point in like three, four years, or me and Stacey having kids next year, and I'm stood there with my kids and I'm going, right, what's next in life? What's next in life? And it's like, well, how do you deal with that, or what's your kind of mindset with kind of where that is? I would like to tell you I have the answer for that. The um. 
a big thing I think I probably learned this week is what I chase is not happiness, it's fulfillment. And fulfillment for me comes from the process of doing things, which is like when we talked about me competing yesterday, like me sitting behind a show for four hours, I was losing my mind because I'm doing nothing. Um, and it, I think it's becoming self-aware of that. Like I've actually spent a lot of time working with a psychologist over the last year. And one of the best things he said to me is like, when you're scaling the mountain, one of the most important things is looking back and enjoying the view. Yeah. And for me, that's something I really struck. Like a friend of mine who I haven't seen for, uh, for a year or so came out and stayed with me this week in Dubai. And he was like, I mean, this is insane where you live, like what you've done. And I was like, just sort of shrugged my shoulders. And I don't really... I, if I'd looked back four years ago, what I'm doing now, I'd be like, you were living the dream. And I, a great book I'd actually recommend to anyone to read is uh, Happy Sexy Millionaire by Steve Bartlett. Uh, uh, <laughs> and he talks about like when he's 21, his dream is to have abs, have a Range Rover, have loads of money and like life will be complete and you'll be like the happiest man in the world. But like the reality is that once you get to that point of having abs, a Range Rover and whatever, you will still feel unfulfilled and you still want more. But I think it's important for men listening to this in particular that we're like goal-driven creatures that you have to have something you're always aspiring for, but it's also important to be fulfilled in what you're doing. So one of the best habits I've got into recently on a Sunday morning, I try to get clients to do this, is I write down uh, personal goals and like business goals for the week. And then like I review them weekly and also do the same thing for a month. And I like, even I did it yesterday, I think I didn't do it today. And I look back and I was like, oh shit, I actually did all these. And I was like, I'd forgotten I'd even done them because like you tick something off and like next. And yeah, it's, I don't remember it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's only when you look back, you're like, fuck, like that was actually the goal and it's already passed. Because you, when you, when you're, I know you can tell from this conversation, like when you get 80% of the way there, I've already moved the goal. It's like yeah. next, like, because you know it's going to happen. Um, but again, it just comes down to you, even I think just setting very high standards for yourself. And even regardless of the goal, if you set high standards for yourself in life, you'll achieve the things you want to become fulfilled. And if your values are true in terms of what you want and you're aligned with like, say for example, your fitness coaching, you actually like fitness coaching, you're into fitness, you're in a great shape, you will do well and you enjoy yourself in that respect and you'll be fulfilled. Whereas if you're a fitness coach who doesn't like, can't train for toffee, you don't know what you look like, you look like a bag of shit, then respectfully like you're probably not going to do very well you're not going to be fulfilled because you're not really in it for the right reasons you're in it to try and make a quick buck and you'll probably fail yeah so as, as you're kind of coming into it and you've, you've hit this point where you're a kind of high performance high performance professional like you've obviously said about kind of you're doing that with the psychology and support and stuff on that side like what do, what do you think what would you say would be the top three like biggest traits and skill sets that someone needs to operate at kind of the level that you are right now uh, sounds about the, f the first thing is like an um, sounds a bit cheesy, but like an unbreakable mindset because like not pretty funny. Like shit just goes wrong every day. Oh god, damn and like you, I can see like Fucking it, it, it's <laughs> like I don't know. I can't, like, uh, <laughs> I can't think of examples like employee problems, ad accounts getting yeah. disabled, got blocked blocked from messaging when it's like LinkedIn accounts getting disabled. Like just shit just goes wrong. It's completely out of control, and you just get used to that, and it's you get weathered to that after a while. So I think that's a very important thing. I think the second thing is being very open-minded not having an ego so i would probably actually say towards the end of last year i was probably getting a bit cocky and then the thing that happened in january where my personal life and business life imploded in three days i was suddenly like you can have the rug pulled yeah. from under you pretty quick so i was like that that's not been right nice to everyone yeah, yeah, yeah i was like you never know when you might need someone so i was like that that changed my perspective on a lot of things um so i say being open-minded i think the third one is just being a constant learner because things change very quickly and I think the biggest mistake I see people making is they try and rely on things that worked in the past rather than what's going to work in the future so for example I see a lot of like fitness coach gurus out there helping people scale their businesses trying to teach shit that worked in 2019 yeah. and it's like like that shit doesn't work anymore dude like 
And it's the same thing as you have consumer awareness. Like after a period of time, certain things will stop working. It's like television adverts don't work anymore. They used to work 20 years ago, but they don't work now. It's like things phase out because the consumer gets used to how they're being sold to and then the next thing then starts to work. So I think it's being like hot on the trend of actually what's working and what continues to work. And that's why I actually, I just love the fucking game. That's why I love the process now of like, testing things in our fitness business and then giving it to business coaching clients and also learning from them and then testing stuff in our own fitness business because it gives us a two-aspect approach with things, which I think is quite a unique thing. But I think that's the big thing. I think it's just relentless mindset, um, being open-minded and constantly learning because you constantly need to keep up-leveling your skills. And I think the big mistake people make is they don't focus on self-development enough and investment enough because when you yeah. get to a certain point, be the same with you, with you Ben, and both of you guys in terms of like and me, the issue with a business is it will only grow to the level of the CEO. So like the person who's running yeah. it. So like it's how big is your vision? How big are you going to push it? It's not going to be anything else that's going to bottleneck it. It's going to be you. Yeah, I say that all, I say that all the time. Like, because I, I ain't got 50 odd staff, but we've had to get to like 17 staff now. And, and I'm, I had a basically, I was really, really busy for around three months and my communication with kind of my team wasn't kind of on point and they were starting to make mistakes. And like my, my initial thought, I was, I sat there going, oh, fuck's sake, why? Why is that like gone like that? And then I sat back and thought, no, it's me. It's me who's fucked up here. Like if I'd have managed them properly, and if I'd have been accountable to kind of, because obviously the education business as well as a scaling consultancy, like the business grew too fast for for me, and I was like, and I was starting to ignore different areas. And then when stuff was cropping up, I was like, I spent a few weeks where I was just been a bit of a dick. I was just like, why why can't so and so kind of do this? Why can't they do that? And I was like, I've not even had a meeting with this person. Do you know what I mean? I've not even. I'm, I'm blaming someone, and I'm getting angry because I'm under stress, and I'm not. I can't control kind of um, the pressure of kind of the scaling. And it's a case of one thing. I start with said to Ben all the time is like your director and team training is something that I massively kind of focus on with kind of companies because it's like they could, people will come to me and they're like, ah, my, my team's not doing this, and I'm like, yeah, but what are you do? What, what are you doing to actually help them? What training have you got in place? What type of KPIs, incentives and stuff have you got to actually manage them? Because at the end of the day, it's your fucking business. It's not theirs. So it's a case of you can't, ex- like, you can never, ever expect someone to work harder than you in your own business. But you can obviously insensitize it and put stuff in place to actually help them kind of push forward like you want them to. Here's a huge tip I'd give everyone is that I think a big mistake, and I'd fucking write this down there and listen to it, is when you ever give anyone a task, give them a time frame. Because a lot of people be like, oh, can you do this? But like, can you edit this video? Can you, I don't know, get this script done for messaging on LinkedIn? But by when? Yeah. Like, like that's what happens. And then your expectation is, like, I want it done like today. Their expectation is in the next week. But if you can get things done in like two days instead of two weeks time, and you get that done with everything, how much quicker does your business scale? How many less problems do you have? How much further down the road are you going to be in three years' time? So that would be a huge one, I'd say, for anyone listening to this is like, always give a time frame when you delegate a task and if you're running a business like you are for example in terms of you've got quite a big team one of the things that i uh 99% of the time do now when i go on calls with everyone is like my goal is to come off that call with there's nothing for me to do my goal is that i give it to everyone else and then and then like that is my job role is like delegation of tasks come up with ideas like my zone of genius is strategy and being an ideas person to the point where i have too many ideas and i have to like stop it like coming up with like just push them to side because we can't do everything um and that's a key thing and then it comes down to actually another huge thing i'll say even an idea for you to move to dubai if you look at like life efficiency now i have a like a full-time maid who 
I don't do anything yeah. in my house. My food gets delivered. Uh, my car gets cleaned three times a week and I don't even have to touch it. Like, I don't do anything other than enjoy myself, work, train, or what I want. There's no bullshit other stuff that, like, in the UK I'd waste time with. So you can be maximally efficient. And a great way to try and break this down for anyone is, like, if you work out how much your time is worth, what your time is worth per hour, and then if you work out what task you're doing that you can delegate to someone else, get rid of it, hire it someone else. I'm trying to hire uh, an executive assistant for myself at the moment. I put rather humorous uh, post in a Facebook group in Brits and Dubai recently. I got slated and called like the Andrew Tate of Brits and Dubai for some reason. But um, <laughs> it went like semi-viral. So if anyone wants to laugh, go to Brits and Dubai and have a look at the job post. Uh, still looking for the executive assistant. But I was like brutally honest about like what the job role is. Like this isn't going to be like a, a fairy tale. And some people don't like that. But um, that's just an example. You just need to like get your time back. Because when I know if I have more time, I can come up with more ideas, I can make more content. Um, you can do whatever you want. But the time is the most valuable asset you have because you can never get time back, you can make more money. If you think about what money is, you're buying someone else's time with it. And that's the way you need to think about the game. It's so weird at first when you start expanding a coaching team out, like I was saying, it's like, I would get an angry, because I've been so used to, for, to doing so much kind of stuff myself and it weren't really a case with the education side, like they were all specialised in their areas. But recently I took the consultancy team from like just me to seven to manage to kind of cover all bases of the company. And, in in the first kind of layering out of that, like the level of anxiety that I was feeling, thinking, "Fuck me, I've, I'm I'm trusting someone else to maintain my kind of standards of work here," and it's a case of going like, "That's where it all comes down to that communication, that feedback." Like while I've been here, I'm just saying like, "Look, can you just let me know what you're doing? Have you have you kind of touch points with them?" And it, it's a case of if there's any a point where like there's one little kink in that team, then the whole company kind of gets a bad rap, and it's a case of like. This is why it's the same with expanding any team. Like, don't don't just rush into it. Don't just suddenly turn around and go, I'm going to take on a coach. Like, have them on a trial period. Have them on a vetting period. See if they can actually deliver before they, yeah, they actually kind of come on board because that's that's shit that I made. I did mistakes with when I kind of, when I were expanding coaching team down the line, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to add people onto it. And then next thing you know, the brand's getting damaged because this person's been an absolute derrick. Yeah, I think uh, a big one, I would do a 60-day probation with everyone you, you have hire, and I would say the other thing I would focus on is doing, like, do you genuinely like that person? Would you actually want to, like, go for dinner with them? If you think you're a twat, then, like, there's no point having them.